Sports Stance. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sports Dance. I am your host Greg, and I am having a fantastic week. That is right, I'm having a wonderful time this week. I've gotten to go to a Red Sox game for free because Buddy hooked me up with tickets, got to sit in some awesome seats. Granted, Red Sox are terrible, and they didn't win. But hey, I got a great time out of it, so what more can you say? A night at Fenway is a night at Fenway, and it's just an overall great park to be a part of. Atmosphere, everything else. So having a fantastic week on that end, you know, enjoying just watching sports. Yesterday, ESPN had the Ocho, which if you didn't catch any of it, well, did you miss out? They had pizza acrobat tossing. They had Tetris championships, which I did not realize how intense they get. Super intense, in case you didn't know. A 16-year-old kid won. So, I mean, granted, not shocking. We have 16-year-olds winning Fortnite and $3 million, and then Tetris championships, which I probably got like 5 bucks for. But still, the Ocho, always a great time. I'm telling you right now, though, ESPN is missing out. They should do the Ocho eight times a year. Eight to match the Ocho. One day is not enough. I need more buses doing figure eight competitive racing. I did not know I needed this in my life, but I do. School buses from, I'm pretty sure the video was taken in like 1998, but still. School buses doing figure eights, going in between buses that are on fire, buses colliding into each other. It is every man. It's like Twisted Metal, if you remember that game. That was a great game. But still, just you need more of it. You need more of juggling, dodgeball dodging. Uh, just any weird thing, the whole soccer, I think it's called like headers or headies or something like that, with guys diving on a ping pong table, hitting a header with their soccer ball. It's just, it's all fantastic. But besides that, let's get to what's really important right now in the sports world, in the world in general. If you haven't noticed, it's all over Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere. It's on my page if you want to go check it out at the Sports Stance on Facebook or Instagram or at Sports Stance underscore on Twitter. Lunch table memes. That's right. You heard me correctly. Lunch table memes. What does it mean? Well, if you don't know, essentially, somehow, a clip from a SpongeBob cartoon where it's just an empty room of lunch tables has taken over the internet by storm. And everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Doesn't matter who you are. Gordon Ramsay's even involved somehow. So what it is, is people have been taking the, it's 10 tables in a lunchroom. People have been putting a bunch of different things at the table, such as celebrities, sports, foods, restaurants, all these different things you can think of. And they're saying, where would you sit? And then you choose. And then everybody disagrees with you because that's the world today. And then you get like two people that agree with you and you're like, hey, we're buddies now. And they're like, no, we're not. And you're like, okay. But anyway, decided to do one myself, test it out. See, just, just see if people would even care. And man, did they care. I did. Sports, leagues, and you get to watch one the rest of your life. Where you sit is what sport you get to watch. You get to watch none of the others. Just this one. And man, people had their opinions. So, to give you an idea, if you didn't see it, of what they actually were, 
you had Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the Premier Soccer League, tennis in general, so both men and women, PGA, college football, MMA slash boxing, so I put fighting in there because, you know, this is kind of all one category, and NASCAR. Now, I know what you're thinking. Probably thought everybody, everybody and their mothers and their grandmothers and friends probably went with the NFL, right? Wrong. I am just as shocked as you are. I mean, I shouldn't be. I didn't choose the NFL. I chose Major League Baseball. I'm a baseball guy through and through. I've said this over and over again. I grew up on it. I grew up eating baseballs for breakfast. My father loved baseball. I love baseball. I love all the other sports. But baseball is what I lived and died for as a kid and still do today. Despite the fact that I have a team in the Red Sox who didn't know how to win for a full week of the year. Like just literally lost every day. Twice on Saturday. That was was just pathetic. So despite all that. Still going baseball number one. And I was joined by a few people. There was a few brave souls out there, including Scott from Craft Food Sports, who basically said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be sitting at this table alone, but F it. I'm doing it. Well, you're not alone, Scott. You got me. I mean, that's I think that's pretty special. We got a few other people. A few other people said MLB. Plenty of NFL. I'm going to give them that. There was a very good amount of NFL. College football also was right up there. But you know who came out of nowhere, who I did not expect for people to go out of all these sports? That's who I want. It wasn't the NBA. It wasn't PGA, which, you know, there was a few there was a few of those sprinkled in here and there. A few more NBA than PGA. The NHL's fans came out in numbers. Numbers. Like, easily, they might have been the second highest most given out of answers. Shocked me. Now, I mean, it shouldn't, but it does. NHL fans are loyal. They are a strong number. I mean, there's like 20 million NHL fans, I think, in general. Something. It's not a high number. It's not like what you see with football and basketball and all that. But they are loyal, and they will defend their league till the death. And they did. A lot of NHL answers. You know, I had a few people complain there was no college base, uh, basketball. Not baseball. Nobody cares about college baseball. There was a lot of college basketball. Of like, hey, where is it? You know, there's only so many tables, people. I got 10 tables. I had to try to be diverse. I had to try to get it out there. I also had people that were mad there was no WNBA. I kind of went with popularity of leagues. Went down the list. Saw, you know, what was tops. Kind of had to go with that. I'm sorry. I mean, tennis, PGA, both have, you know, Ladies' sides, so at least there's that. I wasn't trying to discriminate against anybody. I just went with the most popular leagues, so sorry if I offended anybody. But the one that everybody kind of questioned was NASCAR. NASCAR got a lot of heat, but guess what? I at least had four or five people go, I want NASCAR. I mean, they're athletes too, guys. I know they drive in circles at high speeds, but apparently it is very hard to do. And, like, you can't go to the bathroom. You're in a car for five hours going at high speeds. Your bladder has to get full. I'm pretty sure they wear diapers, and that's gross. But I will say, NHL, like I said before, just coming out in numbers. Now I get it. 
I'm going to make my argument for MLB. If you want to argue against it, that is fine. I get the NFL. It's exciting. It's 16 weeks, though. Especially if your team doesn't make the playoffs, it's not as fun. Baseball, though, you get a game every day of the week. You get to watch a sport every day of the week for multiple months. It starts in, like, March with spring training. Goes all the way through to October. That's a lot of the year. That's a long time. You only have November, December, January, February. You have four months to get through. That's it. Four months of no baseball. You can do that. You have four months to kind of just live your life. Go on your vacations. Take your time. Football, it starts in September. I mean, you can technically say August. It ends in the first week of February. You have March, April, May, June, July. And somewhat August. You have like five to six months with no football. Especially when you can't watch college football, which is even shorter. Like, so you got to really think about what you're going with here. The thing I would say that is the most shocking, though, out of this whole thing is I had nobody, not one, not one single soul on my feed, on my timeline, on my followers, said Premier League. Not one. I actually kind of assumed that when I put this out there, I'd have a good amount of soccer fans. Why? Well, because soccer technically is the most popular sport in the world. I get it. Most people that are seeing this are probably not from the rest of the world. But I at least thought I'd get a few. So that kind of shocked me the most. Premier League actually has a pretty long season too. You know, they kind of don't really have that much downtime. But in general, again, I'm just shocked by the NHL. Like, good for you guys. You guys have a strong, solid fan base. Baseball can't say that. But yeah, this lunch table thing has been kind of everywhere. You have had so many different options. You have people doing what all-time 49ers do you want to sit with? What uh, team do you want to watch for the rest of your life? Like, you got all these things. It's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. It's very interesting to see what people answer with. A lot of people on here, as I said, NFL, NHL, college football, by far the top three. NBA was a little bit behind. MLB had a few. PGA had a few. Tennis even had one or two in there. One guy said, hey, horse racing? No. Come on. The only people that are saying horse racing are degenerate gamblers. You can gamble on all these other ones, but horse racing is a true degenerate's gambling threshold. So if you're saying, only thing I'm going to watch the rest of my life are the ponies, you're probably living underneath the stadium because you're probably going to be dirt poor. That's just that's just facts. I get it. I understand. Horse racing is awesome. Shout out to Twin Spires. Horse racing is great. But to be the only thing you watch the rest of your life, really, really hard to fathom. Really hard. Especially because, come on, I don't I don't want to see a horse get hurt because we all know what happens then after that. You know how much I would have to see that if that's all I watched? It'd be terrible. Or maybe I would just get really good at it and I would win a lot of money. Who knows? You know, maybe you're onto something here. Because it's really hard to gamble baseball. Football is pretty much easy. So is basketball. But horse racing, you got to be a true master. So maybe that guy was onto something. Anyway, enough with the lunch tables. 
If you don't, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Go respond. Go just, it's everywhere. It's really hard to miss. Let's be honest. It's just really hard to miss. But as I chose MLB, I want to talk a little baseball before we take our first break because right now, not tons to talk about in the baseball world. You know, it's that August time. It is the true dog days of summer. Not a huge storyline coming out. The trade deadline is now passed. Teams that didn't make a move and definitely should have, one being the Red Sox because their pitching was atrocious. They lost eight games straight. Remember the week before when they took down the Savages at Fenway and took three or four? And just completely bombarded them. Yeah. Then they got swept in New York. And then they got swept before that by the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, two very big opponents in your division. Where you could have made up a lot of ground. And you go 0 for for 7 against them. Just not not good. Actually 0 for 8 if you count the last Sunday night game against the Yankees that they won. So, yeah, you were 0-3 against Tampa Bay and 0-5 against the Yankees in a week. Just not good. No bueno. Just, ugh. It was hard to watch. I watched, but it was hard to watch. I mean, and the Yankees now just keep doing what they've been doing. They went into Baltimore and set a new record for MLB baseball of home runs against a single opponent in their ballpark. They went to Camden Yards. And have hit 49 home runs in 10 games. Now just think about that. 49 home runs. 10 games. They averaged 4.9 home runs a game. Like if you love the long ball. Apparently all you had to do was wait for the Yankees to show up in Baltimore. That was your jam. That is where you went. 10 games, you got to see a lot of trots around the bases. It got so bad that Chris Davis was fighting his manager in the dugout. Just not a good look for, I mean, Baltimore's terrible. We all know this. The Yankees are also just monsters, or as Aaron Boone says, savages. But the savages were shorthanded. Edwin Encarnacion, fractured wrist or hurt wrist, whatever it is. There are a few other guys that have kind of been on the IL. Still raking. Still no Stanton. I mean, like, think about all this that they're doing without one of their most prolific home run hitters. These guys are going to be good. They're going to be scary in the postseason until they face a decent starting rotation with a decent offense because guess what? They don't have one. They have a terrible rotation. And they have a lot of guys that can strike out in big numbers, including Aaron. How tall is he? Is he a giant? Are we sure he's actually human judge? I mean, he just strikes out a lot. A lot of the Yankees do. They either hit bombs or, you know, they strike out. Tends to be how it works there. But they've done more of the home run than the strikeout this year. So, we'll see. But if they run into Houston, I'm going Houston. Because that front rotation is just monstrous. And the Yankees isn't. Like, you're going to have CC Sabathia and Severino probably going like, Splits these on a game of like three innings and three innings. And that game will probably result into an 18-2 like loss for the Yankees. Just how it is. They didn't make any moves at the rotation. I know they're like, oh, getting Severino Batances back is kind of like making moves. Well, you don't know how they're going to come back. You don't know if they're going to be up for it. You don't know how their arm's going to hold up. They could get hurt again. You have no idea. But besides their pitching issues, I mean, like you said, offense is fine. On the other end of the spectrum... 
And by that, I mean on the other coast of the MLB world, you have the Dodgers, who once again walked it off for their 10th time this year. That is a lot of walk-offs, folks. That is a psychological threat that they have over their opponent when they're home like no other team. Because you know, if you are up a run or it's a tie game, you have to be perfect to keep the Dodgers from winning. And so far, teams have not really been able to be perfect. They have lost 10 games at Dodger Stadium via the walk-off. Via? Via? I, both. You can say either. But these guys have just been phenomenal in the late innings. Does that mean they're going to win the World Series this year? 90% of me says yes. Like, I've completely flipped on the Dodgers. Yes, they didn't make moves at the trade deadline. They didn't get the relief help that they need. But when you're in the postseason, your number four and five starters eventually become just relief guys who can be your relief from the sixth to the eighth. You know, setup men, you can get guys in there that you know can get outs just for an inning. So I don't think the Dodgers have that much to worry about. I mean, if I had to put a bunch of money on it, I still wouldn't. But I'd put 100 bucks on the Dodgers winning the World Series if the odds were in my favor. I'd do that. Because they're just that good. They have been, they're the Yankees, but better. Because they have the pitching. So think about how good the Yankees are. Now add pitching to that. Exactly. You get the Dodgers. So those are the top teams. Then you go looking down the line, you look at the wild card, you have the New York Mets, who everybody, including myself, scratched their head at the trade deadline going, why are you going after Stroman? You have no chance of getting into the playoffs. Well, they pulled an opposite of the Red Sox and won 10 of their last 11 games. They're over 500. They're in the thick of the wild card. I think they're two games back of a wild card spot. And if they get in that spot, they could actually just go throw out Jacob DeGrom for like five innings, Noah Syndergaard for an inning or two, and Stroman to close it out. Like they could just throw out their starters who are dominant and win and then get into a series where you just have to face another tough rotation. Like if there's, I give the Dodgers a 90% chance, but honestly, if the Mets get hot, the pitching duel that would go down between a Dodgers and Mets series would be really fascinating to watch because that, that could be where we're headed. Didn't think I'd be saying that a week ago. But that is where we are headed, at least with the Mets. And, I mean, they've been doing it both offensively and through their pitching. Pete Alonzo, you know, LFGM. You know what that stands for. If you don't know it, let's go Mets. You can fill in what the F in the middle of that is. But, you know, I'm keeping it clean here for all the kiddos that I know are idolizing me and listening. But Pete Alonzo, along with the rest of the crew, have, you know, really stepped it up. They've gotten on a roll. Their pitchers are pitching like they're supposed to. The Mets are good. Like, you can hear the questioning in my voice as I say that. But right now, they're good. Meanwhile, when you look at the American League wildcard, you have Tampa Bay, you have Cleveland, you know, you have Oakland, who's always, always seems to be there. No matter what type of team Oakland has, they're always there. Let's be honest. And then you have the Red Sox, who are six games back after... A huge, huge mental slide. They had team, they had player meetings, they had all these different things. None of it helped. And the reason none of it helped is their starting pitching and relief pitching have been hot garbage. When you have the 
number one batting average offense, run scored offense, all these different things offensively. When you're top two, top three in the league, and you are 16 games back in your division and six games back in a wild card, what is the one thing that you're going to realize is going on? The pitching is horrible, and Dave Dombrowski just doesn't care. I honestly think he's trying to get fired, and he's doing a great job. He's making terrible comments, being like, well, they just need to step up. Our guys haven't performed up to their level. Well, guess what, Dave? They're not going to just magically start performing at their level because you said so. It's just not how it works. So figure it out because now you, you can't trade for anybody. It's just not how it works. Deadline's passed. Offense still looks great. They still put up five, six runs a game most of the time. But when your pitchers are giving up nine to ten in the first, like, three innings, Gets a little devastating. Besides that, though, National League Wild Card's still super thick. You know, still got a bunch of teams involved. Overall, not a ton else going on in the MLB world, at least at the moment. I mean, I'm not going to talk about different injuries, different things like that, really. I talked about already Edwin Encarnacion for the Yankees, but even that, at this point, is not going to make a huge difference in at least major league standings, like nothing's really going to go on there. The only thing you can look at is the the Diamondbacks designated free agent, Greg Holland. He was the 2017 saves leader. So if a team thinks they can kind of turn around his season, he is going to be maybe relief pitch help for somebody down the long haul. Maybe the Red Sox go and try to get him just to get an arm in there that they know has a proven track record besides this year. Then you had Jonathan Lucroy, who the Angels got rid of, and Cubs picked him up right now because Wilson Contreras hurt his hamstring. He's on the DL, or not the DL, the IL. Still getting used to saying that. And, you know, that, I mean, that's it. The weirdest thing going on in Major League Baseball, though, that you can easily look at is the Twins turning a second triple play in three weeks because that just doesn't happen. It never happens. And if you think it happens, well, you're wrong, and you clearly don't watch baseball. It's a very odd occurrence to have it happen more than once in a year, let alone twice for the same team. So I guess you could technically say that's a weird fact. But that's about it. Man, haven't haven't used that sound in a little bit. Probably should get back to that. But anyway, that's all I got for Major League Baseball, at least this week. You know, also with the lunch tables and all that. So on that note... Let's take our first quick break. If you're looking for cheap tickets, where should you go? 12 Ounce Sports Radio. That's exactly right. Did you know a recent NBA basketball ticket on 12 Ounce Sports Radio was only $5? That's right. You can buy event tickets on 12 Ounce Sports Radio for extremely low prices. Go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on the menu and browse. You won't believe how easy and inexpensive it is to attend your next event. So be sure to go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on our site. All right, now it's time to talk a little football because that's right. We had our Hall of Fame game. It was not great, but it's still football. We have our holdouts still going on. The most notable is definitely Zeke Elliott because he's in Cabo. Melvin Gordon, who knows what's going to happen with him, but it doesn't matter because guess what? That offense is in San Diego, can still work without him. Meanwhile, Dallas, without Zeke, is like me without a Madden 20 code. I tried. 
did my best to get them. Just couldn't get anybody to like what I was putting out there to get a Madden code. And right now, Zeke is not liking what the Cowboys are putting out there for his contracts. And I get it. The Cowboys don't need to budge. If Zeke does not play this year, which he is now saying he won't through his agent, he's basically saying no contract, no Zeke. So enjoy that. The thing that makes this whole situation and Melvin Gordon's different than what Le'Veon Bell's was is Le'Veon Bell was a franchise-tagged holdout. All that meant was he basically just didn't play for a year and Steelers didn't have to have him on the budget, but nothing carried over. Like, he sat out the year, and then he could become a free agent. It's really all it was. Gordon and Zeke, if they don't play and don't get a new contract, all that happens is that year rolls into the next. So if Melvin Gordon doesn't step foot on the field this year because he's holding out, his contract from this year moves into next year. And the same with Zeke's. Everything gets pushed back. So instead of getting $3 million this year and $9 million next year for Zeke, Zeke would have to take $3 million next year and then $9 million the following. With a year older and two, three years from getting a new contract instead of two. Technically is what is going on right now. Now, granted, I can see that changing. I can see either Zeke either sucking it up or the Cowboys working out a contract saying, hey, We'll sign you to an extra year extension. We'll add some money to it, guarantee it, put it on there, and then we'll come back in a year or two and figure it all out, which I would not do. And with Melvin Gordon, I mean, hold out if you want to. The Chargers don't care. Their ownership, you don't hear about his situation because ownership doesn't care. Ownership isn't making comments like Jerry is. Jerry's basically saying, we don't need Zeke to succeed. Well, Jerry, you do. I said it last week. I'll say it this week. You need Zeke. Yeah, Dak Prescott isn't an awful quarterback, but you do not want to rely on his arm getting you to the playoffs and through the playoffs to a Super Bowl. You just don't. He is not a big throwing quarterback. He is not a Stafford. He is not even a Russell Wilson. He can run, yes. He can throw, yes. But like Russell Wilson... Could put up 4,000 yards if he had good receivers and a decent offensive line. He could do that. They're a run-first team. Cowboys, you're a run-first team and throw it out to the halfback on a pass if Amari Cooper's not open type team. Or dump it to the tight end. Like, you can't just be a dump it to the tight end and hope Amari gets open type team with Alfred Morris in the backfield. You can't. Zeke is one of the best run-blocking, also running backs, in the league. So you got to really think about this situation. Give Zeke a four-year extension right now. You know you want him as your running back for the at least foreseeable future. Get him a good deal. Guarantee the money. And be done with it. Because he's going to hold out. He has, no, he, I mean, he has a $12 million to lose. So granted, I can't imagine that he actually will sit out. But. It's going to be an interesting process. I mean, a lot of people, you know, every year, you always have those people that are like, Dallas, this is their year again. They finally got it. They have a few big offensive stars. They get a good defense. You take Zeke away from that, that all plummets dramatically. Dramatically plummets. Like, odds to win the Super Bowl go from, I don't even know what they're at now, 
but say they're like 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That drops down to 100 to 1 because Zeke's out. They become very low on that totem pole of people who have a chance. And by that, I mean they're towards like Cardinal level without Zeke. That's how I see it. That's how good and valuable I think Zeke is to that team. With Zeke, they're fighting for the NFC East. They're fighting for a top spot in the NFC in general. As much as I don't like the Cowboys, they have a very good defense. Their offense is pretty good when you have Zeke there. But without him there, their offense is not going to be anything special. Not at all. That's a guarantee. Again, I'm not talking about Melvin Gordon that much because the Chargers can live without him. They have Phillip Rivers. They have Keenan Allen. They have names. They have talent. They have not relied on the ring game their whole career. They've used Phillip Rivers' arm many times, like multiple occasions. He has carried that team through his passing game. So they will be okay. You don't need Melvin Gordon. You do need Zeke. It's just that simple. So we'll see who's going to be the first to blink. I'm going to believe it's going to be Jerry. Jerry, somebody's going to finally get him to wisen up. Who is it going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be somebody. Speaking of extensions, though, you got Tom Brady, Tommy Boy, the GOAT, uh, whatever you want to call him, up in Massachusetts, getting an extension for at least, I think it's another two years with the Patriots. So that's, I think, three more years for his full-term contract, if you include this year. $23 million cap hit this year with saving the team $5 million in cap space to go spend on seven guys who were thrown away in the trash by other teams and will become eventual pro bowlers. That's just always how it's going to be and how I'm going to feel about how the Patriots somehow operate and get things done like that. Makes zero sense. Always seems to happen. But, you know, Brady's here. He's here for the long haul, at least so he says. He wants to play until he's 45. We know his wife doesn't want that to happen. What will happen? Who knows? It could be one injury away from him deciding to hang it up. Could not see that. Brady still has that competitive fire and drive as much as I don't like to say it. But he does. He's still performing at a good level. If that drops off, he will probably hang it up. But right now, there are no signs of that. Maybe not having Gronk this year will change that. Who knows? But for right now, the Patriots have their man. They have their franchise quarterback still. They still have another year or two to find that guy they want to be his heir apparent. Who's going to be the heir to the throne? Not Brian Hoyer. We all know that. Maybe, I mean, Colin Kaepernick's available. He put out a commercial the other day saying, still ready. Been 900 days without a job. Still ready. Looking jacked. Who knows? Belichick's crazy. He might be willing to take all that on. Probably not, because he really doesn't like the media. But you never know. But Brady's there. Tommy Boy's there. People in Massachusetts, New England in general, can rejoice. I have one person I know that is skeptical of this whole thing. It's a buddy of mine who somehow, someway, now this is not a lie. I am not making this up. This is actual words out of a human being who is a Patriots fan's mouth. Tom Brady's going to get traded. That's what he said. He thinks in his heart of hearts, Tom Brady is not going to be on the Patriots after some point this year. Like, throughout the year, he thinks at some point he will get traded. I know he's crazy. You know he's crazy. Do you want to know why he's crazy? What his reasoning is for this absurd statement. 
Well, Tom Brady is selling his house in Massachusetts. He's going to look for a house in Connecticut or maybe even like upper New York area. So in my friend's mind, and he will remain nameless because it is sad for him to even think this way. He believes this because, well, if he's selling his house in Massachusetts, he's clearly got inside information that he is going to be on his way out. And if he's moving to Connecticut or New York, New Jersey, he must be getting traded to the Giants or the Jets. Now, I looked at my friend straight face and I said, are you effing serious? Are you on something right now? As Stephen Smith would say, are you on the weed? He was not. He was none of those things. He was calm as a cucumber and said, no, I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. To which then I looked at him and said, well, one, you're an idiot. Two, Giants just drafted a rookie who is the going to take over for Eli Manning either this year or next year. I was like, and three, the Jets just had drafted Sam Darnold a year ago. Didn't do too bad. They think he's going to do better this year. Why? Why would you go and trade for a Tom Brady? One, within your own division, who what the Patriots aren't going to do, unless somehow they get Sam Darnold out of this, but why would the Jets give up Sam Darnold for the next 15 years for two years of Brady? And you know when he puts on the Jets uniform, he's going to stub his toe and retire. That's just how it would go. He was like, well, he's selling his house. His only argument was the fact that he's selling his house. No other. Like We had to remind him that, hey, Tom Brady built a house in California, didn't get traded to California teams, and sold the house like a year after it was built. It's just what Tommy does. Plus, also, his wife, you know, supermodel, Giselle Bunchkin, all that, does a ton of things in New York with fashion and all those things. Probably said, hey, let's go to the middle ground of Connecticut. It will be easier for me to get to New York every once in a while when I have to. That's just called compromise in a marriage. Just didn't want to take any of it. Didn't want to believe any of this information. Somehow, some way, Brady's getting traded at this point, this season at some point. I laughed at him. My friends, other friends who were there laughed at him. Pretty sure the guy in the back, because he said this when I was at a Red Sox game the other night. Pretty sure the guy that was taking our drink order laughed at him. Like, it was just an absurd, absurd statement. Now, if this does happen, I will have to have him come on the show to laugh in my face. I I mean, I will fully admit that. If that happens, he can come on the show, laugh in my face, and I will give him a $20 bill. Because there is no way this is going to occur. Maybe Maybe I'll even throw in a slap bet. He can slap me if this happens. It's not going to. But if it does... You can knock one across the face. I won't even hesitate. I won't even flinch to allow him to do that. All right. Besides the Brady extension, besides the holdouts, the last thing to talk about in the NFL, and it's, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know if it's idiocy on this player's part or somebody else's part, how this happens. Antonio Brown. He came out. He had a foot injury. Like, nobody thought anything of it. They're like, okay, he's got a foot injury. Maybe he did something. Then he posted a picture, and it looked like the bottom parts of his feet were scaling off like a snake shedding its skin. So people were like, well, that's gross and horrifying. 
What could have happened? I'll tell you what happened. He tried to become Mr. Freeze from Batman, it seems. He does cryotherapy, but instead of doing any sort of, you know, precaution to cover his feet to make sure nothing happened, he didn't wear proper attire, and his feet got frostbite. Not just, you know, cold, not just chilly, frostbite. Antonio Brown has frostbite on his feet. This is going to keep him out, at least based on what doctor reports have come out saying. On the picture they saw, like two to three weeks, some say even more, some say at least six weeks, which would mean he would miss the first week or two of the NFL season. On a new team, with a new quarterback, who he has no chemistry with that so far. Why does he have no chemistry with him? Well, did you see Derek Carr in a hard knocks? He has no chemistry in general. With the camera, with people, like just he's just a potato that makes things awkward. I did love the fact that John Gruden had the whole I'm not into dreams, I'm into nightmare speech because that made me want to run through a wall at 10 o'clock at night. Probably not the best thing to do, but that was a great speech. That's not something, though, you use in training camp. That's what you use like before the first game of the season to set the tone for the entire season. Maybe he also should have told like Antonio Brown, when I say nightmares, I don't mean my wide receiver star getting frostbite on his feet and missing possible games in the season. That's not the type of nightmares he was talking about, Antonio. Also, nobody needs to see that picture. Your feet are gross. It was disgusting. It was disturbing. How? How do you get frostbite? How do you, Who is running the therapy session that either they forget or you forget? Like One of you has done this before. You assume they would know how to check out the other thing or they would know if something's wrong. Like... Antonio Brown, there's no way this is the first time you did cryotherapy and you didn't go in going, hmm, usually I have this on my feet or something, not nothing, and my feet are frozen to the ground now. Oh, man, are they going to have to chop my feet off? Like, how horrible would that have been if Antonio Brown came out, he's like, I got frostbite on my feet, and the doctor's like, yeah, we got to chop your feet off, NFL career is over. Like, would Antonio Brown have been, like, booming? And then be like, no, Antonio, do you understand what we just said? Yeah, I'm not going to have feet, so I'm going to get like a robotic ones, right? And they're going to be like, no, you're just going to have nubs. Like, because you didn't know how to operate a cryotherapy thing. Definitely would have been interesting. It would have made Hard Knocks one hell of an episode. Like, that would have been must-watch TV if that was the case. Like, you get to watch as Antonio Brown gets the news broken to him that his feet have to be cut off because of frostbite because he didn't take proper precautions. Luckily, that didn't happen. You don't hope that happens. But the fact that he even got frostbite is just ridiculous. It's crazy. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, be careful in the future for all you people that are going to go freeze yourselves for therapy. I don't know, but yeah, frostbite. Not even like, I think fans would have taken a broken foot or, you know, like plantar fasciitis, like something, a bunion, anything, but to hear the word frostbite with your star receiver. Granted, it could have been a lot worse. Other things would have kept him out a lot longer, like torn ACL, a lot longer. But frostbite is no joke. Frostbite could result in limbs being cut off. 
So he is very lucky. Very lucky. If you're talking about luck, well, try out my bookie where you can, you know, do some gambling. So another quick ad break because we're done with NFL. There's not much else going on right now. We'll get into more. Preseason, you know, games are really starting to kick up this week. But until then, go on my bookie, check it out, hear the ad. Here it is. Ever want to make a wager but don't know where? Go to my bookie. Use promo code 12OUNSPORTS to get 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Listen to all our gambling shows, then put that knowledge to practice on my bookie. Make sure to use the promo code 12OUNSPORTS to get the bonus. You can find their banners and links to, on every page of our website at www.12OUNSPORTSRADIO.COM or go to mybookie.ag. Okay, now we head over to the NBA where a lot of conversation happened this week. Not for anything that was going on for this upcoming season. Not for anything of players that are still in free agency like Jeremy Lin and Carmelo Anthony who went on first take and made his rounds on ESPN essentially saying, please, somebody, give me an NBA contract. I'll be a bench player. I'll do what I got to do. Melo just wants to play. It was kind of sad. I'm not going to lie. It was a little sad watching Carmelo Anthony making his rounds, basically pleading his case for having somebody be on his team. And I get it. When guys like Vince Carter, who, as great as Vince is, I'm pretty sure Carmelo Anthony is better at this moment, and younger, is getting a contract guaranteed to him by the Hawks, who are like, you could look at the market. If you want to, we have a spot for you. Like, when he's still getting contracts, and Carmelo Anthony, who is one of the best players over the past decade or so, and, you know, in general, in the league since 2003. Can't get on a team. It's a it's a little, you know, sad. It's a little, you know, disheartening for him, I'm sure. But besides that, the NBA came out with their all-decade team from, you know, 2010-2019 type era. And man, did people have opinions. And I get it. When you look at the teams that were given out, you're going to be kind of be like, okay, that one makes sense. And then you're going to look and go, that one kind of makes my head hurt. I don't get it. Somebody please explain this decision to me. There's plenty of that. To put it in perspective, your first team, you can't really argue with. You had Steph Curry, multiple MVPs, Kevin Durant, MVP, LeBron James, obviously, James Harden, MVPs, and Kawhi Leonard, who without a doubt the past two or three years has completely taken over the league. So that first team, I have no issues with. You have five future Hall of Famers there. One guy that can be considered best player in the world ever. Option 1A, 1B, depending on who you're siding with, MJ or him. You have Durant and Curry, who are top 25 guys now with MVPs, shooting range galore. Kevin Durant being a tarantula of a basketball player with length like no other and shooting ability like no other. And then you have the Beard, who has just been phenomenal, and the Claw. Defensively, offensively, fantastic. Now, looking at the second team is where you can kind of start to give a little, you know, hmm, a little skeptical. little bit, you know, don't understand that quite. So each team had two guards and three forwards. You know, very typical of how they do it. The second team, Chris Paul, totally get it. He has been one of the best point guards to ever play the game. Anthony Davis, the brow, again, Top five, top ten player right now and has been since he's come into the league. 
Russell Westbrook, triple-double machine. Then the next two picks kind of make people have to be like, oh, hey, how good were they? Carmelo Anthony. Granted, didn't play last year, struggled with Oklahoma City the year before. But overall, he had a stretch run in New York that was fantastic. And you can't really argue with against it. Carmelo put up numbers. He was a scoring champ. Like, he did everything he needed to when he was in New York to try to give him a shot. To put it in perspective, since 2010, he played, averaged around 70-ish games, depending on the year. So, he had averaged, at least over the final few seasons, not counting, he had 26, 22, 28, 27, 24, 21, 22, 16, and 13 average points per season. It's pretty good. Like, you can see why he get put up to the um, – he's consistent. I mean, best way to put it, he's consistent. So that gets him the nod for the second team. Now, people need to kind of like, I don't know if he deserves it, but name me a better forward in that 10-year span. Give me one. Like, who are you going to come out with? Dwight Howard? Nope. Pau Gasol, nope. Like, Tobias Harris hasn't been around long enough. Like, all these different, any guy. Most guys you can't say. Because either a few came in and retired early into the 2010s and, like, past decade, or they got really good towards the end. Like, the fact Kawhi Leonard is up there and Anthony Davis are up on these teams just show how good they are as talents. But Carmelo was a force to be reckoned with when he was in New York, especially those first five to six years. Just like a force. And you got to give it to him. The other pick, Blake Griffin. Bit of a head scratcher. Now, I might think this personally. Other people may not. But, I mean, I guess go through his stats. They're there when he's not injured. The thing is, he was injured so much, I have to assume there was other people better than him. One of them being on the third team, which is Paul George. I was more so surprised to see Paul George on the third team and not the second team. I would have flipped him and Blake. On the third team, though, is really, really where the controversy starts. And you may not like my opinion. You may not agree with me. I don't go crazy like Max Kellerman who did. But my opinion is still also kind of strong. So on the third team, you have Paul George. Good call. Giannis, I mean, MVP this past year. He has gotten better every year he's been in the league. And you know he just is a rare talent. Then you have Dwayne Wade, LaMarcus Aldridge, which kind of surprised me. But he's a solid guy. He goes in, does his work, gets his rebounds, gets his points. Doesn't make a lot of noise, but he does it. Like, I was almost kind of surprised not to see, like, a Kevin Love on here maybe. Or, I don't even know, uh, Al Horford. Like, you had a lot of solid guys. But Aldridge, I guess, yeah. Now, this last pick is the one that has caused the most controversy. And I get he's an all-time player. He's an all-time talent. But when you look at the numbers, it just doesn't add up. Kobe Bryant. Yes, that Kobe Bryant is third team all decade. Now, they get it. Kobe is a phenomenal player. He is an all-time great. He's an all-time talent. He's not an all-time third-team 
All-Decade player for 2010 to 2019, partly because he retired in 2016. So that's three to four seasons or so, however it works, that he does not play. And I got to make the argument for other guys. Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson especially. These are guys that I think should have been there instead of Kobe. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said with Melo, Kobe, also phenomenal. But think about these stats. So Kobe played in 2010 and 2011. He played 82 games. The next year, he played 58, then 78. Then he tore his Achilles, and he played six in 2013 to 2014. Then he only played 35 the following year, and then 66 in his final season. Points-wise, which is where Kobe's bread and butter was, he went from 25 points to 27, 27, so you know, good three-year stretch there. But then to 13, in that year he played six games, 22 when he played 35 games, and then 17 in his final season. Like, no offense, that does just not strike me as an all-decade team player. I, I mean, be mad at me if you want to, people. I'm I'm just making very solid points. I'd rather look at a guy like Clay Thompson, who has been around since the 2011-2012 season. He has played the least amount, was 66 games. It was the least he played. He has played 77 or more every year since then. He has averaged, since that first year, he went 12, 16, 18, 21, 22, 22, 20, and 21. He's a great defensive player. He is a great guard in general. And he has won multiple, multiple NBA titles. So think about that. Like, if you're looking at all these different things that add to it, Clay Thompson, since he joined the league in 2011, 2012, has been a consistent present on the court. He has been a consistent points contributor. He has won multiple championships and been a key piece in all of them. He deserves it more than Kobe Bryant. I get Kobe Bryant. It's fantastic. I get he is a great player. Fantastic. Awesome. All-timer. Top 10 guy ever. But when you look at the facts, he does not deserve to be on an all-decade team just based off name. Now, I get that's the only reason that is explainable for why he's on this team. He's Kobe Bryant. I get it. I understand. It doesn't add up, though. Look at the stats. You look at everything else. It just doesn't add up. Kobe does not deserve to be on that team. Now, I'm not going to be like Max Kellerman, like I said before, who came out and said he should be on the all Worst decade team for the NBA over this time frame. No. He tore his Achilles. He can't help that. He still was a very good player for the years that he was healthy. Even in his retirement season, he wasn't strong, but he at least did some stuff. That 60-plus point game for his final game definitely helped the stats. But overall, you can't say that about a guy like that. Like, if he played out his final three or four years and he didn't play much and he was averaging, like, 10 points a year and, you know, really just hurting the team a lot more than helping, I get it. But come on, Max. Don't don't turn into this Skip Bayless type who I'm not even getting into this week. Don't turn into that type. Just look look at the facts in front of you. You got a guy like Klay Thompson, multiple NBA championships, consistent, always there type guy. Then... 
The other person that I said you can make an argument for is Damian Lillard. He came to the league in 2012, and since then, he has played no less than 73 games. And in his time, he has averaged 19, 20, 21, 25, 27, 27, and 26. Like, he has been a all-star for Portland. He has come in since day one and contributed at a high level. He has averaged over 6 to 6 for the most part every season. So you look at him, you look at Clay, you could easily say Kobe is not on that team. Dwayne Wade definitely could have been higher. I mean, there's definitely that argument to be made. Wade, I feel like, is somehow overlooked for what he did. He won multiple NBA titles. He was the face of a franchise. The year or two in Chicago, the year in Chicago, the year in Cleveland, really kind of hurt maybe his chances of being on the second team. But overall, he was very good. Like, easily first ballot Hall of Famer, granted the NBA Hall of Fame. No offense, guys. Very easy to get into. Pretty sure Brian Scalabrini could even get in there one day. Like, White Mamba easily could have a spot in the Hall of Fame. It's just not like other Hall of Fames. But Dwayne Wade is one of those guys that you know if it was even harder, if it was stricter to get into, if it was like the Baseball Hall of Fame, Wade would be getting in easily on the first ballot. He was just that good of a guy, that good of a player, that good of a person for the community. Everything in general that he did with the NBA was phenomenal. So he, I think, could have been on second team. Chris Paul, him, um, definitely could have been second teamers. I could see you dropping Mello or Blake. But in general, out of all this, out of all the disagreements, it's really just Kobe. Kobe Bryant does not deserve to be on an all-decade team for the fact that his name is Kobe Bryant. He is for that reason only. He doesn't deserve to be on the worst team like Max Kellerman said because Max is a crazy person. We've seen this with the Brady comments. We've seen this with a lot of comments. He's just nuts. Stephen A. always has to put him back in his place. Anyway, give it to Clay. Give it to Dame. Those guys deserve it way more because they have been consistent They have been contributors to their teams. If their teams don't have them, it significantly hurts them. No offense to Kobe. When the Lakers don't have Kobe, it's not like that made much of a difference, especially in those final years. It it just didn't. You see the difference it makes not having LeBron on team. You see the difference it makes without having all these top guys. You You saw the difference in a positive way almost for when Kobe wasn't there, at least his final few years. So, yeah, Kobe... Didn't deserve to be on an all-decade team. That's just the facts. That'll wrap up all my thoughts, though, for NBA. Besides that, the only other thing I'm going to touch on is a college football story. And it's more so just how you kind of think about it and how you look at it. Dabo Sweeney came out, basically said Kelly Bryant, who now is the quarterback for Missouri, transferred after four games in Clemson last year, would not be getting a national championship ring. When asked why, he said he chose to leave. He doesn't deserve to get a ring. He wasn't a part of this team when we won. Now, I get the idea. I get the sentiment. It's kind of like a participation trophy. He was there just because he participated. He didn't finish it out. Now, when you think about it, though, Clemson really didn't give him an option. Clemson said, hey, we're going to start Trevor Lawrence. You can be on the bench. Kelly Bryant was like, I got us off to a 4-0 start. I helped us get to a national championship the year before. Um... What's up? 
And they basically said, well, no, we like Trevor better. You can sit here on the bench or, you know, you've only played four games. You can technically transfer and play next year. That's what he chose to do. Clemson forced his hand. He didn't really have any other option if he wanted to play and actually show to NFL scouts, which I'm sure he does because I'm sure he wants to go to the NFL, that, hey, I'm not a bad quarterback just because they benched me for Trevor Lawrence doesn't mean I'm bad. I had a 4-0 record. I'm going to go somewhere else and show that I can contribute because Kelly Bryant was 16-2, and I believe, as a starter. Pretty good. Pretty good. One of those losses came in the national championship, so you really can't say, like, oh, man, he's terrible. But Dabo just doesn't believe he should get a ring. If that's the case, Dabo is probably really mad at all these other sports where guys got rings for basically doing nothing. There was a guy, I believe, for I forgot what team in baseball. It may have been the Red Sox. may have been somebody else. Pitched once. Once in the 07 or 2013 season, I think it was I think it was the Red Sox. Forget the pitcher's name. He pitched one inning. He came in with the bases loaded and walked a guy to lose the game. He got a ring. So, I mean, give the guy a ring. He was there. He helped your team win four games. If he didn't play, maybe you don't win those four games. Maybe Trevor Lawrence, if he starts off the season right away as your starting quarterback, maybe he has some hiccups. Maybe he loses a game. Then maybe you don't make the national championship, Dabo. So you got to think about it that way. But do what you're going to do. People are kind of judging you for it. I get your position on it, but I think it's it's wondering. Does it really matter? Kelly Bryant's not going to go around saying, I'm a national champ. He's just going to have a ring to remember his time at Clemson. That's all I got, though. That's it for the week. Thanks for tuning in. Again, I am Greg. If you want to check out the sports dance, uh, you know, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Check it out on 12 Ounce Sports Radio every Friday. Uh, check out all the other great shows on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. If you want to find me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. Again, that's at SportsDance with two S's in the middle, underscore. Then you have the Sports Dance on both Facebook and Instagram. Like, subscribe, comment, do all that fun stuff. Help it out. Help grow the brand. And last, if you have a stance you want to give, let me know what it is. DM me. Tweet at me. Send me an email. Do whatever you want to do. Let me know what you think. Give me your stance on sports. But until then, enjoy your weekend. Everybody have a great time. Hopefully everybody has nice weather again. Always, like I say, enjoy your time off if you have the weekends off. If not, listen to me. Help the time go by a little quicker. That's it, though. That's the show. Have a good one, everybody. Again, I am Greg, and this is my stance on sports. The Sports Sports Dance.